first rain of the, uh, the official rain. I think it's going to start raining now. That's my, that's my gut, but I could be wrong. I'm a terrible weatherman, by the way. Um, this morning, we're in the last couple messages on not of this world uh, before we move into the new uh, season. And I want to focus today on this last line of this statement. We've talked a lot about what does it mean to be not of this world and yet in this world. We talked a lot about living in the world with a diversity of people and uh, financial, economic diversity and ethnic diversity and just culture and community. And uh, we talked about a lot of that. But today, I want to focus on engaging it with the love of Jesus. I want to talk about what that looks like in a diverse culture. I was just fascinated as I was thinking and studying over the last week about our culture as a whole. Whether you're old or young, listen very carefully. We have changed so much in the last hundred years in the world. It is obvious to me that God is doing something spectacular on his planet. Now what it is, well, we're just a part of it. We don't know everything about it. But he has given us everything we need to know to love. And really the key here is we need to love one another. And this is one of my favorite verses, by the way, where he says that we should love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he says, love your neighbor, right? But I found that interesting because in the world, love is this thing that you receive. Love is something that you're supposed to go get. It's sort of like go get pleasure, go get Love. Go, that's the definition of love in this world is self-gratification. Have you noticed that? That it should be coming to you. That you should, you should buy it. You should achieve it. That, that you should show me love. And one of the major reasons people get divorced is because they fall out of what? Love. Well, that's the love that's defined by self-seeking gratification. Love is a key ingredient to your walk with Christ. Love is a key ingredient to your life. And this love, this love that he speaks here, is a love that engages the world. Notice the way he even frames it. He says, love the Lord. He means you need to engage the Lord Jesus with your heart, with your soul, with your mind, with your strength. He means you need to engage God with the love of your desires, do you desire God with your mind? Do you desire to know the mind and the ways of God? And with your strength, do you desire to go out and engage the world doing the things God would want, not what you would want? And then with your life, with your life, with your soul, do you truly want to engage God with all your life? You see what he's getting at there? He said, love. He said, you engage me. And then he says, then engage your neighbor. Then engage your neighbor because then you'll be able to show them how to come to who? Him. And this, this thinking is so incredible. And it not only blew the mind of the uh, early church, it also sort of destroyed Western civilization as they knew it. Only now are we trying to rebuild the hedonism that once existed in the Roman Colosseums. Only now do we desire to go back to the def definition of love that is solely pleasure. Let's listen to love. What is Christian love? What separates it out? Why does it engage the world in a uniquely different way? 
this one doesn't bother me as much. The one that got me was when Jesus preached, is when he said this. You have heard it that said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. You see, he causes his sun to rise on the evil and the good. And he sends rain, like today, on the righteous and the unrighteous. And if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, only the people you hang with and that you like, what are you doing more than anybody else? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Be complete and whole in your love for God. How do you become complete and whole in your love for God? You love your enemies. You love those who hate you. You love those that you don't like. You love yourself even when you don't like yourself. You love unconditionally. The first point I want to bring out to this is that love seeks and does God's best for another. It lives to make others successful. Key words, love initiates. Love initiates. Love does something. Love engages the world. We are in a beautiful community where when you come to New Harbor and you desire to be a part of this church, if you want to be like Jesus, then we hold you to that standard. We say, then you love like Jesus. We don't excuse bad behavior. We forgive. We reconcile. But the reality is you go out into that world, and what I love about our church is we're so diverse. You guys go out into a hundred different communities, a hundred different settings. You see a hundred different situations and types of people. And in those, you have to learn to engage them and initiate love. You initiate love. You having struggles with your spouse? You initiate love, struggles with your children. You initiate love, struggles with your boss. You initiate love. Do you see it? In fact, early on when I came to know Jesus, one of the verses I learned but I didn't fully understand was, it, it says that God so loved the world that he gave. He gave. He initiated and engaged the world and gave of himself and defined love from the very beginning. Um, it's hard to engage this kind of love from the fleshly side of it. Why? It, it reminds me of like, uh, this is the really cool love where you initiate it because you want to. Let's talk about that one. Let's talk about the love where it's like you want to engage. I want to know God more. Maybe that's your desire. Then you need to engage that love. Let's talk about if you got married or if you're looking for a spouse. You know, when I first saw my wife, I liked her. I mean, I liked what I saw of her, obviously. It was pretty superficial. In fact, it was probably 100% superficial. But it went beyond that eventually. And I liked what I saw. I liked what I saw of her attitude. 
And there came a point where I had to initiate the date. Why? Because I really saw something I desired and I wanted to initiate it in a good way. But I'll tell you what, was I nervous? Was it like I had never been on a date? No. But was I nervous? Yes. Was it, was it hard? Do you have those, you know, the clammy feelings? You're not sure what to say, if what you're going to say comes out bad, that kind of stuff? Absolutely. But did it keep me from engaging her in a conversation? No. What I desired was greater than my nerves. What I desired was greater than my struggles and my flesh. Love initiated that. Now imagine... Imagine that. We gave to each other. We went on a date. I gave her a dinner. I actually I love going to Africa. One of the things in Africa that's so great is they tell you if you take a woman on a date, you never bring flowers. Flowers, beautiful flowers, grow everywhere in Africa. When you take a woman on a date or you go to engage a woman in Africa, you take her a meal. And some women today say amen to that. And the reality is, love initiates the success of someone else. What is it that they want? When I initiated love with my wife, it was like, what do you want, darling? What do you like? I wanted to learn what they wanted to make them successful. And in the process, we gave to each other our love. That's how it started. Now, it starts out a bit selfish, but eventually, eventually you give each other things like a token of your affection, things that last forever, your love. But if I had never engaged my wife, there are four reasons that I would be very sad, and their names are Victoria, Blake, Isabel, and Micah. If you desire something enough, you will engage it with love. That's the truth. But what does God desire that we should desire? What are the hungers of love we should have? When it comes to pursuing things we desire, we're pretty good at it. But notice the other part of this where he talks about initiating in relationships and friendships and how love shows care. It's willing to serve the unlovable, the needy, and the forgotten. Love is obedient to this. Love your enemies. Let's talk about initiating love for your enemies for a second. Someone that hates you. You know, I, le I learned this early on. Actually, I learned this in high school. And for whatever reason, actually I think it was for this very reason, God taught me a huge lesson. There was a guy I hated for five years. It's the person, you bump into them and they just make your gut turn. You ever have one of those in your life? You just bump into them and they're like, I don't, ooh, that's hard. And we had a fight, and it started with a fight early on when I was younger. And just for five years, God told me, why don't you love him? Every time I saw him, why don't you love him? Why don't you forgive him? Why don't you let go of the animosity and the bitterness you have? And it worked on my heart and my soul. To a point where after five years I was able to let go of that. Have you ever had something really bad done against you? Have you ever been the victim? Have you ever talked to somebody who's been abused and how long that takes for them to recover from that? 
And how long it takes someone to say, I will initiate love and forgive? How about just loving the needy in the world, the people on the street, the people that, that you don't know what to do about? Your enemies, the forgotten ones. You know, sometimes your greatest enemy is the one you don't think anything about. It's the person you drive by and you could care less about them. Sometimes we drive by the very needs in front of us and we don't engage the enemy. And it's funny, when Christians go to war, how do we engage the enemy? With love. We initiate love. We initiate love in this church. The very important way we do that is in this third point. He says, a new command I give you, love one another as I've loved you, so you must love one another. It was no option. We have to do this. But people come into the church and they have all kinds of different forms of love they're expressing. Have you noticed that? Some Christians, their, their love is like, oh, let people do whatever they want. And then that love is too much license. Too much license to go off and sin and do whatever they like. Other Christians, they come in and they've got this huge thing about all the don'ts. And they're not focused on what we're supposed to be doing. And it's all these lists of don'ts. We shouldn't do this. Or they come in with agendas, you know, like we should be engaging the social agendas. They come in with these political statements. They come in with these uh, ideals. How are you going to love your enemy if all you do is spit out hate? Or how are you going to love your enemy if all you do is spit out license to do anything? How will you ever define what love is if you don't initiate and show them the love of Jesus? You know, when Jesus said that years ago, he said it was for you to be more complete, for you to be more whole, for you to be perfect, for you to be just like my Father in heaven. Because if you look at it from the eyes of God, which we should, all the people on this planet are his children. And even though many of them have gone astray, how does a parent feel when their children go astray? Does he hate them? Or does he love them? So a third point about love that is very important is love works through conflict. It forgives. It seeks reconciliation. It prays for your opponents. Love is the very witness of what we do. Love is the witness of what we do. When you engage your enemy, when they spit at you, you forgive them. And then you seek to reconcile with them. Love is not absent from justice, by the way, folks. Don't begin to think that the pastor's saying there is no justice. No. Love, in a lot of ways, initiates justice because love desires to see what is right done in that person's life. Love initiates the work that is put into forgiving and seeking reconciliation. You've heard me say it before. I will say it again. Listen very carefully. I hope there is somebody in this church that you love but you don't like. Because that tells me God is working on your soul to love everyone. 
We're not all going to get, in a diverse church, how in the world are we all going to like each other? We're going to come from so many backgrounds and so many places. Our singular most important element is our Father in heaven and living like Jesus. And what happens is when you begin to love people first, all of a sudden you realize they're more likable than you thought. Did you ever notice that? When you love people first, you realize they're more likable than you thought. Because when you love your enemy first, you begin to realize, well, you know what? I was just as bad. I had my own things I dealt with. Thank you, God, for saving me. But if you're not willing to initiate forgiveness in a conflict, what does that tell me about you? What does that say about you? Are you like Jesus? When somebody disturbs you by what they do or say, how do you respond? Are you like Jesus? Do you initiate this love that says, I will love my enemies and those who persecute me? Do you initiate the world? Are you seeking that kind of love? So I want to pause a second. This is the, the scary part about this particular one. This particular one assumes that you've engaged or you're doing something. And the reality is what I've found most within my life and within our culture and within our patterns of behavior is that if you just wake up and go through your day, most your day is pretty much habit. And it's pretty much self-gratifying. It's uh, you're working to get the money to pay for this, to get that, to do this. What is challenging about love is Jesus was telling people, no, 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 stop. Stop all the things you're doing, and I need you to initiate love in all these areas. Is there someone you need to seek forgiveness from? Is there some enemy that you need to forgive and love? Is there some person you drive by or walk by every day that you've never said boo to that you need to go out of your way to initiate love to? Is there someone, the unseen, where God needs to open your eyes to say, this person's been around you your whole life and you've done nothing to love them? This is the love Jesus was talking about. In the world, they will be just like he said. They'll want to love their neighbor, but they'll want to hate their enemy. And Jesus said, I give no room for that kind of hate. Because that kind of hate does not allow you to love your neighbor or your enemy. This verse is beautiful. And John, he says, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you do what? Okay, so... This is a burden upon a pastor's heart. Let me share it. You know how many people I meet that come to church that have been in churches before and they say, oh, I had this problem in the church or they had this problem and then they just left and went to another church. They just, they, they get a problem in the church. They, you know, they had a conflict and they just move on. It's really great if you're a conflict avoider, right? You just move on. There's another church down the street. But it's really terrible if you want to be like Jesus. Because Jesus shows up when conflict arises. He's right there. 
He's right there. He's in the middle of your conversations, little boys and girls, about those kids in school when you're texting and doing whatever else it is. It's not Pinterest. What's that other one? Instagram or whatever that thing is. Man, I'm still trying to catch up with everything. When you're tweeting, which I don't tweet yet. I, it shows up in how you talk about others. It, it shows up when you talk politics. I'm not against politics, but I'm not for hate. It shows up when you are talking to people about somebody else. Oh, we need to pray for them because you know what happened with them? The prayer chain of gossip. That doesn't work here. Love initiates the right conversation. It seeks to do what is best for that person. And it is in that love when we as a church are forgiving one another and when conflicts arise, we're restoring and reconciling relationships and we're bringing unity back and restoring trust. When we're doing that here in this community, that, my friend, is an infectious love that can walk out that door and reach a lost world. Because that world out there does not know that love. And by the way, if I could go back to my wife illustration. So before you get married, there's this woman you will meet, Lord willing, that just entices you and you overcome your desires and you ask them out. And somewhere along the way, they say, I do. And then somewhere after you're married about a month, you wake up when she's having her bad day. And you're saying, I don't like this person. But you've made a commitment to love that person. For the rest of your life. That is when Jesus shows up. That's when Jesus says, that's the kind of love I need from you. I need you to love this person on their worst day, not their best. Anybody in this room is likable and lovable on their best day, hopefully. That's when you go out of your way to initiate love. That's when you do something about it. That's when you give her a kiss and say, I love you. Because love speaks words of encouragement. It compliments and verbally recognizes the efforts and the successes of others. Love speaks the truth like Jesus did. Even when it corrects or rebukes. In love. Love speaks words of encouragement. How are you with that? Now, I'm going to challenge guys first. This is because I'm a guy. I can do this first. Okay, ladies, you'll, you'll get to know. But guys, listen. One of the biggest issues with men is not that we um, don't encourage. is that we don't talk. And the absence of words is the absence of what? Content. How in the world do you encourage somebody by making their bed? Now, that's an act of love. You've made their bed, right? That's an act of love. But that's not words of encouragement. That is not speaking verbally into them and making an effort to love them. Guys, this is a huge issue. It's not usually what men have said that's the problem. That happens too, by the way. It's what we don't say proactively. We don't initiate loving conversations as much as we should. 
Initiate a conversation of love. You can walk out that door and tell your wife, you know, I want you to know, I really do love you. I know that there are some men on this planet, I know as a fact, by the way, that have little or they have hardly ever told their wives they love them. Why? You see, something's got to come out of the mouth. Initiate out of your mouth love. Now, ladies, sometimes, not always, you initiate too much that will come. And in many words, sin is not absent. And I have done that too, where you literally put your foot into a part of your body, your mouth. Let's be nice. Your mouth. And there are sins of gossip and slander and malice and hate that come out of the mouth. And they're everywhere in this world. People speak them. My son says they speak it fluently in high school. Vulgarity is the next English class. They speak words not of encouragement, not compliments. And, and I learned this early on, guys. Come on. If you're a guy, you know this. You rip somebody down to build yourself up. And that's not Jesus. Ladies, the same thing. We don't do that. We love our enemies. We love those. We need to learn to use our mouth to encourage this. When Jesus was on the cross, when Stephen was being stoned, when the enemies were going against him, they did not remain silent. They spoke, but what they spoke had eternal impact. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Words are important. Guys, we need to use our words. Ladies, we need to use our words rightly. And in all of us, we need to do the same thing. I can't think of, here's the truth. There's not one person in this room that doesn't need some encouragement this morning. That couldn't use a, a person walking up to them saying, you know what, I really appreciated you. I, I love that you do this. The question that I have is as believers in Jesus, how often do you go out of your way to initiate it? Love initiates the right stuff. Now, I know you're going to come in from some world of thinking and your framework of Christianity, but let's bring it to the Bible. Let's bring it to Jesus. Let's live like this. Let's change. To perfect love. Notice he said perfect. When, it would have been better if he just said, you know, good love. You know? Couldn't you just say, you should be good? You know, I'm good. You should be good. But instead, he said, no, no, you'd have to be perfect. That was a kick for me. That means you need to be complete, you need to be whole, you need to be perfect. You need to do what you were built to do. I gave you a mouth, you could use it to encourage people. I gave you hands, you could go out and help someone. I gave you heart to desire the right stuff. I gave you a mind, you should be thinking about the good things and not perverting them. Perfect Perfect love. 
Love like the Father, where the Father looks down on all his children on this planet and says, oh, my wayward children, you need my salvation. And then he sends us into this wayward world, and he says, love them in such a way that they see the salvation of God in front of their very eyes. Be a loving witness of Jesus. Man, if everybody in this room needs encouragement, I'm going to guess that when you walk out that door and you go to your job or you go to your school, there's somebody there, in fact, everybody there that needs it too. Because they don't hear it at home. They don't hear it from their fathers. There is a great need to initiate the love of Jesus in this world. Perfect love. So what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to write down on your notes two things that, out of all this, that you would like to improve in your area of loving others. Two of them. But I want you to frame them with this wording. I want to become more like Jesus in these two areas. Like Jesus, I want to. Frame it as, what is it that Jesus did, and I want to be able to do that too. Don't make it about self. Make it about selfless. Maybe it's in the way you see people. Maybe it's in the, the uh, news you listen to. Maybe it's into the politics you do. Maybe it's into the sports that you're in. Maybe it's into the... A job and the career and working yourself up. Maybe it's into the wealth that you have and all the distractions that fill up so much of your time that Jesus isn't even there anymore. Whatever it is, you need to get back to this place. You need to say, I want to be like Jesus in some ways. You need to be personally initiating love so that you challenge yourself when you walk out this door through the Spirit of God to do something with that. Initiate it. <laughs> this is what's so cool about uh, Christianity. We don't, await, we don't wait around to be reactive. Have you ever noticed where you go through your week and you're just doing your thing and you're not really initiating things, where all of a sudden you blow it, you mess up, you have to ask forgiveness, something happens to you, you get upset, you get angry. You're reacting to everything. That's because you've built your life on a selfish pattern of behavior. How about if you were more proactive and you initiated everything? How about if you woke up in the morning and said, you know what, I'm going to choose to love my wife and my kids, choose to love the employers in, in where I'm at, the employees. I'm going to choose to love today. I'm going to engage the world with the love of Jesus. What if that is what represented his church right here today. What would the world think of you? This person never complains. This person never moans. This person never whines and about things. Why don't you gossip? We start to gossip. You walk away. You're not engaged in it. What, what makes you different? Maybe it's because when you heard what Jesus said, you took it to heart and you initiated love. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your grace and your salvation, for your love. A love so vast, the seas could not fill it. A love that 
was shown on a cross, a love that was shown in the resurrection, a love that continues to put upon us mercy and hope and joy and gladness. That, Father, we are saved and living in an unconditional love. May you be glorified in our lives. May each person here go out into the world, not be of it, but go into it and show the very love that you initiated, Jesus. A love for the salvation of souls. In your name, amen. Stand with us for one last song. Oh, one last song.